With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Today, after a long hiatus, we're so excited to have everyone on. What a day. This is going to be the most amazing day that we've had in a long time. We have Tom Silverman on. I'm really excited. This is a gentleman from Tommy Boy Music, someone I know personally. He is a great guy as a per- on a personal note, but he also does a lot of the music industry. New music seminar that he's created, revamped again from 14, 15 years ago founder of Tommy Boy Records, founding member of the uh, the international music uh, indie uh, area, which I just messed up right now, so please forgive me, guys. And so just an amazing man all around. So without further ado, I'm also going to bring on Mr. Jay Logan from San Francisco. I miss my buddy, so we're going to bring him on right now. Mr. Logan, how are you? I am so excited. Hi, Gail. How are you doing? <laughs> it, is you. So, it is so good to be back from France and meet them, the conference, the music conference we were out there for, Jay, you know, with Listen, Give, and Savoy. And, you know, we actually missed Tommy there this year because just, you know, he always has his new outfits that we love. But, you know, we're going to get right into the show, Jay, because we've got Tommy on now, Okay. So we told Tommy at the beginning to come in at 3.08, but we're going to, you know, uh, play around with our audience a little bit. Um, We're going to have some amazing questions. And, you know, Jay, as you being a producer, me being a music consultant, you know, the music industry is in such a new direction, and I just think Tommy can give a lot of people direction on which way to go. What are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, it's definitely to change the the whole uh, uh, infrastructure has changed, so I know Tommy's going to come in and give us a new direction and a new feel of what the, uh, where we need to go in this business. Um, it's a new business, pretty much. It's kind of like start, roll up your sleeves, and let's start all over again. So that's basically what it is. Yes, and and the artist, you know, as a producer yourself, you know, and someone who's you know gotten into my one song with writing that I will leave to you guys to do again. You know, it's really it, it's really concerning. Um, you know, we need to have executives like Tommy showing us how to navigate these waters because, you know, he's one of the people out there through his seminar and the work that he does. It brought us Daniel Eck with the announcement of Spotify before they even started in America a year before. So these are things that we really need to get on top of. The new music seminar is coming up, guys, this next week. If you haven't registered for it, just go to newmusicseminar.com. You really don't want to miss this because this is really going to be how you make your money. Am I right, Jay? Exactly. Uh, And right now it's the best time for me, if you're going to start in the music business now because we're starting all over, it's a great time to be a pioneer. It really is. And, you know, again, it's not about a plug for Tommy. This is the new music seminar. He is going to be having the latest information there, Jay. 
stuff that we haven't wow. gotten here in America yet. So, you know, guys, it's going to be in New York. It's worth your time. The weekend is right here. You still have enough time to fly out from wherever you are in the country or even out of the country. So don't think it's too late, okay? You know, try Travelocity or Orbis or whatever you need to do. But we're going to get right into this show, you know. So, Jay, we're going to bring Tommy on right now. Hey, Tommy, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? We're doing really wonderful and glad to have you on today. Such an honor. Glad to be here. Well, Tommy, if you don't mind, we really kind of want to get into things with you, if that's okay with you. And, um, you know, just ask you about a few things. Uh, some of the things we want to ask you, Tommy, is if you would just um, have your question to um, your answer to the question because we have a couple of questions and we just don't want to put all the good stuff out there at one time. Is that okay with you? Of course. So, Tom, today we're going to get right into this, you know, with the music industry virtually in a tailspin of direction. The old model was you were an artist, cut a demo, signed a deal, had some A&R work with you, publicity promotions, album release. That was the old model, okay? Tom, what is the new model today in your opinion? Well, it's it's starts from the way people consume music. You know, it used to be they bought records, and now they might buy records, they might buy vinyl again, actually, which they didn't used to do since maybe 1990. And uh, they're they're buying CDs still, believe it or not. And, you know, they're buying downloads still. And then they're buying, um, sometimes, you know, they're, they're listening through Pandora or Spotify or um, many, many other ways that all monetize music. So we're entering a new era where people are uh, consuming music in multiple ways and contributing money to uh, the flow that feeds artists and the whole business of artists uh, in a new way. So we've seen the whole thing turn around since we started the New Music Seminar back in 2009. It's very exciting right now. Wow. Well, I know Jay has a question for you next. Yes. Um, hey, Tom, how are you? Of course. Hey, Jay. Good. Okay. Uh, what role do you think producers play in the creation of tracks today that they did not play in the music industry of yesterday? Well, it's interesting. Um, we are doing a whole panel on producers at this seminar this year. We've just been talking about it. And there's so many different kinds of producers. But tracks, um, it, depending on the genre, it's so different. In country, it's totally different than it is in hip-hop. In hip-hop, you have beat makers who just make the beats, and then the produ- you know, and then they be- can become producers. Sometimes they work with other people. What's happening now is, uh, uh, you know, in certain genres of music like hip hop, you have as many as ten different writers on a song because you might have a sample that has a writer on it that's used from another record, and then you'll have uh, the guy who made the beat, and then you'll have the another producer that's on there, and then you'll have an artist, and then three step out artists who. Um, you know, might throw a line down on a record. It's very interesting how the business is getting shaved up in a lot of different ways, um, more in hip-hop than in other genres, uh, though, and, and pop, which hip-hop has really kind of affected pop music to a great degree. But you don't see that as much in country or uh, even in rock where the bands tend to write the records themselves. Wow. Wow. You know, um, Tommy, just having come back from me then, it was interesting to hear Alexander Lejeune of SoundCloud with Ralph Simon say that we have not even touched the tip of the iceberg with streaming. Artists are not happy about streaming in many ways. Tom, what are your thoughts on streaming, its direction, and getting artists to understand the revenue model for streaming? Well, I'm, I'm reticent to use the word streaming because there's two kinds of streaming. There's ad-supported streaming and there's subscription streaming. And in the new world, we're in the attention business. We're no longer in the unit sales business. So you can't really think about the value of a song, the value of a, you know, a, a, um, a, a, like, like a download, a single, or an album anymore because you have to look at the users of music and how much money each of them is contributing per year. That What's their average revenue per user and what was it before? So I've done some modeling and identified how much the average uh, physical music buyer generates for the music industry, and it's under $15 per, 
per year, uh, the downloaders might um, ha- generate $50 per year. But the subscription um, subscriber is, down- is, is contributing, you know, $60 a year or more to the industry. So we're seeing uh, an increase in the revenue. And then we have to look at things that uh, companies like Sirius or Pandora look at, which is, customer lifetime value, how much the, this consumer spends per year and over their entire lifetime how much they spend. So in the world of subscription, once we get people subscribing, theoretically they'll always have a subscription. Um, think of your cable subscription. You know, the average is 100 million subscribers to television, and they spend about $80 on the average just for the TV portion of their bill in America you know that's a, over a billion uh, trillion dollars of revenue to the TV industry. Very, very powerful. Uh, that kind of revenue is going to come to the music business, not at eighty dollars, but at ten initially, and maybe more later on. But uh, Apple is entering the game, and we think that that's going to put a big multiplier on the number of people that are subscribing to music. That's interesting. Um, Thomas brings up another interesting point. How does streaming come into revenue for producers or musicians on a track? Again, you've you got to separate subscription streaming from ad-supported streaming. So YouTube okay. is ad-supported streaming. and Ad-supported streaming has an ARPU, an average revenue per user, of under $4 to the music industry. So the music industry only gets around $3.69 or something like that per user of YouTube, for example, or, or, or um, Spotify free, you know, the, the free version of Spotify. But, you know, if it leads to subscription, it's a great thing. So we're in a period here where we're introducing a new concept. What happens is the money goes into a pot, and that pot is divided by usage, and... Um, the companies that represent all of the uses get that all. And so, like, we'll get a Tommy Boy lists of all of our artists that got streamed and how many times they got streamed and, you know, what the value of all of that is so that we can calculate their royalties. It's complicated because it's micro sense and it all adds up, though. It's similar to wow. the way that BMI and ASCAP pay right songwriters, uh, you know, all that money they collect. They split up on some basis, and uh, it's basically this method of pot. But it's this method that could actually – the key is how big is the pot, really. And really right now, in America last year, there were only 7.6 million music subscribers. That's really tiny. You know, uh, just for comparison, SiriusXM has 27.4 million subscribers. So um, that's uh, – you know, we can grow with Apple – you know, and Spotify, who's you know just announced that there are 20 million subscribers worldwide, um, is you know we we can see significant growth this year, and by the end of this year, I'm pretty confident that the world will be over 70 million music subscribers, possibly 100. So uh, once the number gets to 100 million worldwide, the revenue will start being great. Now that money comes to the labels, and then the labels give the artists their share of that based on the percentage of whatever the deal is. If they have a 15% deal, then they get 15% of all of that money, less all of the usual recoupables that labels do. And, you know, then it goes into the business, whatever the deal is between the artist and the label. But the point is, <clears throat> the more that's in the pot, the more that revenue will be. I think Apple said that when they get their subscriptions over 50 million or something like that, 50 million subscribers, it will be the equivalent to all of the revenue that they generate from downloads worldwide. Wow. Wow, this is very interesting. You know, Tom, I want to get off topic. Think about this. Think about this, Gail. One thing that you have to think about is there's 1.5 billion billion smartphones, unique people with smartphones in the world. If each one of those had a subscription, you know, and even if it wasn't ten dollars, it may if it was even five or three on the average. Think how much money that could generate. It would be more than the entire music business currently is today. So it's possible now for the first time to get countries that never had a music business, like China and India and uh certain places in South America where the businesses were 
so insignificant as that they weren't even counted. Now are going to start counting. Africa could be a huge, huge market because there's an enormous amount of smartphones in those markets. And anywhere there's a smartphone, there's a direct connection to all the music in the world. So well, we, the opportunity we have a question for you. We have a question for you about that one, Tom, at the end. We have a good question okay. for you on that one at the end. We're dying to hear. Okay. And, Tom, I want to get off cool. topic for a moment. You did a song on Malcolm X some time ago, and you are a philanthropist. You do a lot for youth. You know, you and your wife. There's a lot of things that people don't know, the good stuff you do. And I happen to know Malak Shabazz, one of Malcolm X's daughters. There is war mm-hmm. all over the world in so many ways, you know, from the Middle East to here to Europe, everywhere. And I wanted to ask you, music has always made a difference with people from John Lennon to Bob Marley. You said in the Forbes article on June 8th, it's about the artist's attention to its fans. How do the artists now create a, connect, a world of connection with people through music? Your thoughts? Well, every artist that wants to be can be is connected to all of their social networks directly if they want to be connected. Um, you never, an artist has never been more connected to their fans than they can be now. Um, they're hearing exactly what their fans think immediately like without even a second play in the old days maybe you got fan mail if you're editor if you're an artist now you'll know in one second what your fans think about everything uh positive or negative uh that's a great thing um but i you know, well, I, I don't know what, if the question what I, what the tom what i'm asking is we have from John Lennon to Bob Marley. You you do a lot of work in music and the meaning of music, and you talked about artist attention. We're talking about, since you're speaking of artist attention, how can artists create music that brings connection with people so that we can rid of wars? You know, in Trinidad, they, uh, Calypso is used to, in wars, or say what people want to say. You've been in the music industry for so long, and you've put out such great music, like what you did with the Malcolm X song, how you took some words and made a positive out of his words. How do you think artists can do that today through their music? Um, first of all, I think um, music is the healing force of the world. You know, music, all music that touches you, changes you, and touches you in your, at, at the level of spirit. I'm going to speak about this in my introductory remarks at the New Music Seminar on Monday morning um, because I think it's so critical. I think music is probably the most important force in the world. It's the bridge between spirit and flesh. It's the place where people get touched. They, they've done work with people with severe Alzheimer's, don't recognize their children for five years. They haven't lifted their head in years. They put headphones on them and play music from their youth. They sit upright and they start singing along their eyes open for the first time they get connected music touches people uh you know there's all of these things that are happening out there where people are using music uh for healing and even the united nations has recently focused on measurement of happiness in the very various countries in the world and it's doing like they had world happiness day this year with pharrell um and they did a whole thing at the united nations this year and they played music in um, you know, at, at the United Nations for one of the first times because they're recognizing the connection between music and happiness. And really, when everyone's happy, there's not going to be war, right? So what we change the perception of that. I mean, we can do songs that talk about uh, we're not going to take it anymore or whatever, you know, and deal with injustice and, you know, un- unrest. But I think... Um, bringing happiness and bringing peace and love through the message and the music itself will do it will do it on its own so you know i'm i'm a big believer in music as um potent a potent force for change from within cuz the only change that's relevant is the change that comes from within <laughs> Jay, we're losing you. Uh, Jay, Jay, we can't hear you. I think you're in a bad area. Hello, Jay? Uh, Jay, I think you're going to need to come back and we can't hear you at all. Oh, now we can. Thank you. Yeah, okay. I I wanted to know, Tom, how do we get the youth? How do we drive the youth traffic? 
to music that makes a difference? How do we bring the horse to the water and get the horse to drink? How do we get the youth to listen to music that makes a difference? Uh, we can't. I, they, they have to find it on their own. We can't say, listen to this and do this. You know, people will discover what they need when it's supposed to be there. It's out there now, and they are discovering it. It may not be the message that you think they should have, but it's the message that they should have, and they're getting it right now. Uh, you know, I, I don't think we can dictate what music should be or what people should hear or shouldn't hear. I think well, we just have to m- allow more music to be heard more easily, and you know, if everyone's phone in the world can have all the music in the world on it, let's hope that people can now discover anything, any kind of music, and use that uh, to change their... Uh, um, you know their life from within. Mm-hmm. All I can say is, wow. Um, you know, wh- you know. Here's the thing: you got Daniel X of Spotify, okay? You have Jimmy Iovine, who's now gone over to Apple. We have Ty Dow with Jay Z, Beyonce, and a host of artists. Your take, Tommy, on the streaming market of who's doing it the way that makes sense. Uh, well, we don't know what Apple's th- going to do because they won't release until the end of this month. Um, but Spotify is doing it a way, in a way that makes sense for sure. You know, I think Pandora has 87 million monthly active users, so uh, they've done it in a way that touches people and ma- it makes sense to people too uh, with a focus on more of a lean-back audience uh, because it's simple and easy. Uh, Spotify with more lean-forward on-demand service um, I'm sure that Apple will build an integrated solution that will be massively popular because they're just so smart there. Uh, Tidal is still figuring it out. I'm sure that uh, um, there's going to be something there. There's Rhapsody. There's Deezer. There are many company, con- companies in this space. Um, I think there's a lot of room for different companies, but it does seem like you really need to get to scale. Um, and Spotify has the scale advantage right now. We'll have to see if Apple can catch them. Wow, interesting, too. That's, that's, that's uh, interesting. I, I want to ask you, too, Tom, you have America, the international market, the European market, Africa. Where is streaming going to be the most effective and how? Which market? Well, eventually, in places like Africa, India, and other places that have never really had music businesses or they never bought records because the infrastructure didn't exist and the poverty was too great. Um, it wouldn't have been possible, but for a dollar a month or $2 a month in Africa to be able to get all the music in the world on your phone um, is a compelling thing. And, uh, you know, you can have hundreds of millions of people who never spent a dollar on music spending now $12 a year on music, which is probably 10 times the ARPU that that country had before for average revenue per user that they had before. So I think there's going to be a huge impact starting in about 2020 in the developing world. But right now um, it's going to be the United States and Europe. Um, You know, you can look at Sweden because they were there first. And in Sweden, it's about 72% of, uh, uh, you know, of the music population is, is, uh, is subscribing to music there. It's huge. So that, wow, that's what you know, we look forward to. That sounds cool. You know, Tom, I've always said human beings will eventually go back to something they can see and feel. While we love the downloads and the streaming, vinyl is coming back in a huge way. What are your thoughts on vinyl and its direction? I totally agree with you, Gail. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think streaming can take us only so far. You know, some people want the soft cover. Some people want, you know, the hard cover book. You know, um, I think that there's a place for both. I think people will discover music on on subscription services and other uh, streaming services, and then they're going to want to go and buy a physical record, um, whether it be a CD or vinyl. Uh, We're doing a whole movement on vinyl at the New Music Seminar this year. Uh, There's some very interesting facts about the growth of vinyl. It's growing more than 50% a year. And we're running out of the ability to actually manufacture enough vinyl because 
the plants that, that haven't made the machines that make vinyl since uh, the late 70s or the mid-70s. So it's the, the pressing uh, machines are sort of like Cadillacs in Cuba. You know, they keep them going from the 50s, uh, you know, and they keep making new parts for them, but they're not making them anymore. So there's only so many presses in the world. Uh, most of them were destroyed in the last 30 years when everyone thought vinyl was over. And now that vinyl's having a revival, it's a four-month wait to five-month wait to even get vinyl pressed. Wow. So the uh, the supply can not, never match the demand from this point outward. Uh, and, and vinyl is 25 to $30 to buy. Uh, and And people sell it without a return right. So whatever they buy, they paid for it. So, you know, it's a very healthy business and profitable business for everybody that's involved in it. Um, unlike the CD business, which is not as healthy uh, because people are paying, you know, $10 for a CD and they're paying 25 to 30 for, for vinyl. So it's interesting to see what's happening, but also deluxe CDs are out starting to outsell standard CDs now showing that people do want a physical thing. They want something more. They don't want the standard. They want something luxurious. If they love the artist enough to buy anything, they want something great. And I think we have a guy called Frank Luby coming in from Chicago who is an economist with a specialty in value and valuations, how do you value things. And, uh, you know, he works on demand and elasticity of demand. And, and he's going to talk about uh, how do we value music and what we've done to devalue music and how we can increase the value of music because that eventually directly impacts revenues for artists and their ability to quit their day jobs and, and, and have a living making music, which is what we'd love to see, many more artists making a living off of music. Hmm. That, that's good. I love to, to hear him. Um, yeah, recently I was over in Japan and I was shocked, Tom. Um, they still have power records and a lot of our brands over there. Japan still uses CDs as a physical as, as a physical form of music sale. Will we ever go back? It's eighty percent. First of all, Japan has, it's eighty percent of the business. Japan is the third highest national ARPU. They because you know the, the average person in Japan spends twenty twenty three dollars. Um, a year on music, which is much higher than America. I think America is like 14. So it'll give you an idea uh, of, of Japan. But you know, the average record price for a CD there is like $26 or $28 um, versus like half of that in America or less. So, and and 80% of the business is physical, more than any other country in the world. Germany is the second. Both of those countries are very strong CD markets still. They've also done things to hold back technology there because they didn't want to see technology cannibalize the historical revenue stream of the business. Um, uh, we've gone through our hole in America, and now we're coming out. Actually, the music business was up 2% last year, maybe more, and you know we expect the growth to continue again. You know We fell to 2009, then we flattened, and now we're starting to go back up as an industry, which is very exciting. Will we ever wow. go back to CDs? Will we ever? What do I do with my CDs? I mean, what would a person do with all that? <laughs> what, what do we do? <laughs> you know, I'm, I, my CDs I like to take and, and uh, you know, uh, take those wave files and put them into some lossless, you know, files and have them all on, you know, a few drives that I can have so that they're easily accessible. Um, all that music's easily accessible. The vinyl I still keep. We do a party, a vinyl party at Tommy Boy, where we bring in different DJs to play vinyl. Uh, we're doing one next Wednesday with uh, one of the guys from Spotify DJing, and then the, uh, Daniel Glass from Glass Note Records is DJing. And so, you know, people are bringing back vinyl again and playing it because it's just a great experience. But the ownership experience of vinyl is better than CD. You know, you, you can gift it, you can collect, mean something. You know, there's huge uh, collectors of vinyl, but you don't really see any collectors of CDs. Yeah, I can. I, I have a quick question before we go into these last two questions for you, uh, Tom. Will uh, Will Page be, uh, be one of the people DJing next week again? Will Page, yes. 
Oh, God, that's going to be so cool. Okay. And he's so, working on um, He tells me he's working on a great funk set. He's going to be working on a set of the music that he feels inspired Uptown Funk. Oh man, it's gonna be cool. Oh Jay, you gotta you gotta see what Tom does at this event. But um, I have a question for you that's a little different. You know, we talk about third world countries. You know, we talk about the UN. You know, um, Listen, Give, and and Savoy has a big project coming out with music with the UN right now. And we want to ask you something, Tom. You know. The deal in Africa, many people cannot afford to pay for music. Yeah, they have cell phones, but they're, the issue that they're looking at is we're looking at how they can monetize music on their cell phones. People are wondering if they're going to have water and food the next day. We want to know your thoughts on that because Africa is an untapped market. The people, it's, it's hard to quantify in Africa, and it's different countries to that continent. So I would really love to hear your thoughts. So um, that's true. Africa has probably a, a greater share of problems than most countries in the world. Oh, uh, uh, Africa is not a country, but all of the various countries. But there's massive affluence. There's more billionaires in Nigeria than there is in most other countries, um, for mm-hmm. example. And, and although there's all kinds of infrastructure problems in countries like that, it's very hard to do business in, in Africa it's almost like the digital world is leapfrogging it. So the fact that you can hear all the music in the world on YouTube or subscribe to Deezer in those countries or whatever else allows you to immediately have access. Now, who has smartphones? The people who have smartphones are the people who aren't the poorest people. And, of course, the poorest people are are, are suffering really right now, but the access to smartphones will also give them access to education through those smartphones and access to market where they can find out where they can sell their goods at the best price. It, it'll eliminate middlemen. It'll, um, it tends to help bring people up and, you know, there are whole organizations of people that use access to technology to increase. Look at India, right? India is developing a massive middle class where it never had one before through computer and computer technology, you know, it's amazing what's happening. Look at all the big companies in Silicon Valley that have, you know, Indian founders and uh, key executives. I mean, it's ridiculous now, you know, uh, and Chinese, you know, as well. China's another market that's going to be, I mean, they already have twice as many smartphones as we have in America, more than twice as many, um, you know, and the other thing we're looking at in China is their film business. Have you looked at what's happening in the film business in China? Furious 7 came out in America, and I think it did like 120-something million the first weekend. It came out in China two weeks later. It did 168 million the first weekend. Wow. It did 40% more than it did in America. It's the first time an American movie has generated more in the box office in any other country than America. And as a result, there are Chinese being cast in almost every big Hollywood blockbuster now and DreamWorks is building studios in Shanghai so they can get past the uh, 24 film limit. You know, there's all of the stuff that's happening right now when China decides to make piracy illegal. And there's a good reason to believe that could happen any day now within the next year or two years at the most, that business is going to be that China could be the number one music market in the world within 10 years. Oh, I, I totally agree, uh, and I think they're on their way from what you're saying. Um, and I know that we have one last question for you, Tom. Sure. Yes, we, yes, we do. And uh, I just want to say, wow, that is, that's amazing what you just said about China and, you know, Nollywood and, and Nigeria. Very amazing information you yep. share. My last question is, um, is, you know, with the Beatles, all we need is love. How do we use music to infuse racial harmony? I think it's this it already has done that. I mean, when you really think about urban and hip hop and, you know, uh, how it's united people from the movie Diner, when you think about in the 50s, you know, from Chuck Berry and Little Richard, you know, breaking down racial segregation, you know, on the first line of attack with the youth, and to now that, you know, what's that woman from the NAACP who might not oh, even wow. be black? <laughs> you know, like, I, mean, I mean, that's when you go to this place where where white white people are starting to say, you know what, I'm not really white, 
I'm really black, you know. <laughs> we've come a long way, you know. I mean, it's one thing to have a black president and, you know, to have, I mean, it was, when you were a kid growing up, oh, it was Muhammad Ali and it was, uh, you know, it was James Brown and those guys were, and it was, you know, Martin Luther King and, you know, there were certain people who were role models, but, you know, it seems like all of those barriers have been destroyed right now and um, I think that, uh, you know, but considering, Tom, we, I mean, but, can we, what are can you talking really about, that, Black? Yeah, but Tom, can we really say that it has, we've, been, we've destroyed some of those things because as we can see what's popping up all over our country and it's music like what you did, you know, like, you know, I, the reason why I keep going back to that Malcolm X um, CD that you did, it was music like that to me that, infu- that infused harmony. Okay, we're seeing things happen all over this country that are saddening, and it's happening in other countries, not just racial, but in general. And I, for me, I can't, you know, I'd be lying to say that it's kumbaya, we're getting better. I think, you know, with change, you're going to have this stuff. And when, like you're changing over to streaming, with artists, they're going to have to get used to it and get used to the new model. We're going through a new change where people are starting to not see racial, anything of race, but just people as people. But until we get yep. there, there's a, there's a huge, we've got some issues going on. I think Obama being president actually showcase more of the unrest that was here that laid dormant through generations. My question to you, you know, like what Jay said, you have always been a man who was kind of like a little bit ahead of the game. You know, you brought songs together in singles that actually made people stop and listen and come together. You know, we're talking about Digital Underground, Queen Latifah. I mean, you, you did a lot, and it's not about putting you on a pedestal, but is that you kind of had an ear and you dealt with singles that would infuse into the consciousness of every person, you know? Yeah. And if we if we come to you and say, hey, what do you think? I'm not saying you're the person with the answers because you'd probably be the president of the world, and who knows, you might have the answers. But what do you think is how could we use music from what you did? Because, see, even though we're in a new direction, music is music. And you made a difference with those 12-inch, you know, that you were doing in those days, those singles that you were doing that made people get up, let's party, let's have a good time, let's come together. How can we do that again? Because this is this is so important right now. Don't you think that's happening right now? Don't you think Pharrell is doing the same thing? Don't you think that, uh, you know, that uh, – Songs like Uptown Funk are doing the same thing when you see one song number one for 12 weeks in a row, and it's black, it's white, it's everything. It's you know. That's true. Very I, true. You know, I mean, and that's happening over and over again. And when you look at the records at the top of the chart for the year, uh, you know, they're not, you know, they're urban-leaning records. You know, now it's Wiz Khalifa for the last five weeks, but it was Uptown Anthem for like 13 weeks before that Uptown Funk. So, you know, the number of weeks that an urban-oriented song will be at the top of the chart and dominating the top ten of songs, both in streaming and in downloads and and in sales, you know, really says quite a bit for where we're coming. That can't be the 10% of America that's black or 11% that's buying those records or or streaming those records. It's everybody. So, that's true. You know, that's voting. People don't go to the, the the polls to vote. They vote with their dollar every day, you know, when they That's make true. a decision to buy or to listen. To me, the game is really over. There may still be some rednecks somewhere, you know, in you know that are absolutely racist or whatever or homophobic or what you know. I mean, there's problems with small mindedness all over the place. But that's what I'm speaking know, to. It's not just here. It's not just here. It's all over the world between all cultures. And I think, like, when we look at Lady Gaga, who just sung John Lennon's Imagine so beautifully. I mean, it was amazing. You know, that made me think of, that was before I was born, and that made me think of, wow, you know. So I do agree with you there. I just hope people listen to it. That's, you know, that's what I hope. I think they're feeling it. And I think it's every day that goes by, more ignorance is lifted, more clarity is happening. It, you know, we're talking about people who are in, stuck in polarity consciousness. They think it's me versus everyone else, you know, and this is the cause of all wars and all sufferings, actually. And when you start seeing yourself as one with everything, it doesn't, you know, all of that goes away. 
and yeah. all the suffering goes away with it. So, you know, there's not a technical solution to ending suffering. It's an internal journey of, you know, finding your connection with everything. And, yeah. uh, and music is the soundtrack to that journey. Well, we love it, and, you know, we know that you do some meditation, and, and we thank you for what you just shared because that really what you just said really is the pinnacle to ending war, actually, because war does begin with us within ourselves. So you actually just gave us all the answer, you know, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> there is um, no then. Thank- yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So we just thank you for being on the show, and, Jay, do you have any last words for Tommy? Um, this is the last question. Uh, with the app of uh, Catapult Orchard, is there a number one distribution channel where you can get your songs on Apple? Is there something you can suggest to our listeners? If I was an artist and I wanted to get dis- distribution, would you have a suggestion for them to how they can yeah. get their songs the best way? There are two companies that are easiest for artists to get distributed on. They're inexpensive, and you can get them distributed in Apple and Spotify and everywhere else. Uh, TuneCore is most well-known where they charge a one annual fee per album um, and no no um, distribution percentage, just the fee. So you, you keep all the money. And then the other one is CD Baby where they charge a small fee, like 9%, I think. I'm not really sure what it is. And, uh, and um, that's, you know, those are the, those are the two... I recommend they're easy. You can go online and sign up and then you upload your music and your images and stuff and, and you're in business really quick. It's unbelievable that anyone can get their music distributed for next to nothing right now. Uh, you know, then there's the bigger distributors that distribute bigger labels and, you know, also include additional services as well. And for those, you have to have sort of a track record uh, of exposure already, but they're going to charge you a much higher percentage uh, um, for that work than TuneCore. Oh, wow. Well, the, the last, uh, very last thing we want to know is if you would share with people about where they can find new, you know, new music seminar and your last words to all the artists, business-wise, about the music industry. Any last words that you have, uh, Tommy? I think um, artists that uh, that are out there should do what they love, make music that that makes them feel happy, it makes them feel good, or and they'll know that it's working when the people who hear their music are touched, whether it's live or through hearing a recording of their music, and then um, just keep putting your music out in every possible way until um, until something connects. <clears throat> you know, I think music is truth. You know, if music is truth, it will resonate with people and it will attract the people that it's meant to attract. You know, you mentioned Malcolm X. That was not a hit record for Tommy Boy. It was not a profitable record. You know, it didn't have, it had a big impact in terms of its uniqueness, but not in terms of, you know, of its popularity um, versus other records that were gold or platinum that we, we released. So it doesn't matter whether a million people know about a record or just a hundred, a very influential record doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a hit record. So artists should really make music that they think makes them happy and that maybe that can make a difference. And if they're concerned about breaking through or exposure, then they should probably think about differentiating themselves from everything else that's out there. Because if you make music that sounds like what everyone else is making, it's going to disappear into the, uh, you know, into the camouflage of all of the other music that's already out there. So you really want music that people go, wow, have you heard this? It gives people a reason to talk about it. Wow. Well, we, we thank you. Is there anything you want to share about the new music seminar coming up, uh, Tommy, so that people can come on out to it? Yeah, there's going to be over 200 speakers in three days on almost every subject, you know, we don't, we're genre agnostic, so we don't talk about one genre versus another genre, uh, but we talk about the new technology and the new way of seeing the world of music so that you can see how you can create in ways you might not have thought you could. Uh, 
uh, and also it's a great place to meet people and to build your uh, relationships, which is really, really important in the music business. Um, people started businesses together by pe- with people they've met there. They've gotten jobs there. You know, they've gotten connected in so many different ways. So, uh, you know, there aren't many opportunities in the year to meet <clears throat> these kind of people all in one place or to learn the information that these guys... We talk about things that nobody talks about at any other conference. So we think it's a great opportunity for you guys to jump to another level in knowledge and relationship. Well, we really thank you for being on, and we ask people to go to newmusicseminar.com, just the way it sounds, newmusicseminar.com. And, you know, Tommy, we just really thank you for being with us today, and and, um, we wish you continued health and and great success in your business endeavors. Thank you so much, Gail and Jay. Thank you. Thank you, too, Tommy. Appreciate it. Well, Jay, wasn't that great having Tommy on? Wow, it's like, you know, it's like having the Wizard of Oz on. You know, you can have all these, you know, so much information. It's like, you know, you still know, you know, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. Jay. Yeah, it was. And the thing is, we didn't really have the time audience to really, you know, Jay, go into, you know, the mobile market and things like that because, you know, you can only fit so much into a short amount of time. You know, but it was it was really interesting for him to explain the you know the the streaming model you know and um, one of the questions I really Jay wish I'd had an opportunity and I know you had more questions too you know I really want to know is it to the advantage of a music service like Tidal Jay to have artists only you know the artists who are involved only make their content available to that one music service does it serve them? Does it serve the artists themselves, and does it serve it, you know, serve the the new people as well? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I, I think it's basically the exclusive list of Cadell. Uh, trying to, it's just, I mean, I would think it was to serve them. It's like kind of like if if you had LeBron James on your team or Stephen Curry, you know, you draw more traffic to your. They need that because people are going to Apple, so I think they need the stars, and that's, I would think that. And I'm not sure, but. It would seem like Kadal would need to, they got Beyonce and Jay-Z. You want to try to get as many people over on your side to draw more listeners and consumers over there, you know, so they can look at what you have to offer. Exactly. And I would, you know, but it, like like Spotify, I would keep it open. I wouldn't have myself paying nine ninety nine or $20. You know, with, as a person, you think $20, okay. But, what, you know, it's just like going back to what we were talking about on the show. I think having all of these things available is really good. But when we just only, you know, bring ourselves to having just the streaming, whether ad-supported or subscription-supported, you know, this is a lot to think about, Jay. How do the artists really make money? How do the producers make money? How do the songwriters make money? It still puts us out, out there to have to deal with other uh, areas of endorsements, and it also keeps the music artists on the road, you know, much of the time when they might want to be with their families. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, it, it, it does. Um, it, 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 it's funny when you, when you get a subscription, and I had a I had, I had a problem. Let's share this with you. So, my mom has a vehicle, and then we have a vehicle, but the subscription ran out on one vehicle. You can't merge subscription. So, do you pay nine or eighteen dollars a month for two vehicles, or do you just have to? You know, you kind of basically after a while, it's kind of like I, I think they're trying to get me here, Gail. You know, I'm trying, I'm paying for all these subscriptions. <laughs> I mean, well, you, you know. You know, I I can agree with what you're saying because, you know, now that Apple is starting their streaming service, and let's deal with the Apple Watch, okay, I'm starting to hear some different things about, you know, the Apple streaming service may only be available for the iPhone or they may be making it available, I think I heard, for Android 2. It's supposed to be different this time. I'm hearing all kinds of things. And then we go to the mobile market. You know, Samsung on the Android side is having a lot of problems with the S6 the S5, and I think the um, Galaxy Note 4 or 5 is out now. You know, these gadgets are all well and good, you know. But getting back to, you know, like 
that thing that you can feel and touch. Now, I know Tom may disagree, but I think CDs are still good because I can't carry a, a vinyl thing around with me all day long. You know what I mean? It's just uh-huh. it's not easy. But, you know, we're looking at all kinds of things here. We're looking at how music is going to make a difference worldwide. Like you said, you know, Pharrell, International Day of Happiness. You know, Jay, you know we were involved with that with the UN. And, you know, all of these things are great. But at the end of the day, the music and the money that we pay on music, you know, when I look, I, I realize I'm paying for a streaming service. I realize I don't even buy MP3s anymore. You know what I mean? I'm okay, so busy right. streaming. I don't even right. buy an MP3 anymore. So, you know, an MP3 is not the greatest sound of it. You know, when you're in music and you hear the WAV files, you hear the files that go into Logic, Pro Tools, you know, Cubase, and all of that, you, you hear the difference. So I'm kind of spoiled, you know what I mean? And now we've got Wi-Fi to Hi-Fi. And that's why Tidal is better because we've got hi-fi and we don't know the sound. So I'm going to pay $20 for sound that I don't own. I don't know, you know. And I, I could be a little have a little ignorance here because I think the files coming out of Tidal are supposed to be at a higher sound level. You know, hey, cool, but, you know, I don't know. My, my Listening to my, my pleasure of sound, I can buy a bunch of MP3s and do that. Right. You know, it, or so I, you know, but my main concern is, you know, going back the music artists, the music artists. What are they relegated to? How can they make a living, really? And that's why I love what Tom said, and you know, what you and I talk about all the time: make the music that you love. Right. And and, and basically, it's very hard with the streaming. Very hard to make a living how it used to be with the other. BMI and ASCAP the old way where you could get three cents every time your song played. Those days are long gone. So now you're getting a portion of a penny for your songs being paid 12 or 10 times. You don't make any money right. anymore. Just So you have to get out there and, and, and bring it to the – got to take your music to the streets now. you got to get out there and go into these little pubs and these little venues and go across the country and build up your a following and people have to be coming to your YouTube site and downloading stuff and it's a lot more work now. It's not as easy. Sure. It's it totally isn't, it isn't easy. Everybody can be in it now. All you have to do is put yourself on YouTube and get yourself in the virtual world, and you can be successful, but it's not that easy. You have to use it's the real world. It's not that simple. It's not that simple. And, you know, I'm also concerned with Oculus. Oculus is being oh. shipped out uh, with something with Microsoft. While it's so great, when you get pulled into a virtual world, some people are already not dealing in the real world. And the Oculus is is a very fascinating uh, situation because I've gotten to experience it a couple of times with virtual world, and it's great, but it takes you a little time to come out of it. So, you know, we're not saying this stuff isn't good, folks. We're saying Oculus is good, you know, something that's good, but too much of anything can be an overkill. So we always don't want to forget, like, you know, going out and hanging out with your friends and at the same time, you know, going to your local cafe and having, you know, coffee and chilling with your friends, or, you know, you go travel on a plane. You don't take yourself through Oculus to France or Singapore to Tibet somewhere through Oculus. Like, you really go there. You know what I mean? And the thing with Oculus, Jay, I don't know if you've heard about it, but you can pull other people into your virtual world, which is a little different than, you know, like viewing your virtual world on TV. You know what I mean? So we're we're really getting heavily into a technology, but I'm finding, you know, just like what um, Tom was saying and all of us are saying, people want to get back to having something they can touch and feel, something that has tangibility to it. And at the same time, we're telling our developers and apps, oh, come on, let's put things in the apps that will make it more addictive that people will stay on. People are human beings, and you can't – human beings, we kind of – we kind of rebel against those things when you try to force us to do something, you know? Just like he said, you right. can't force youth to listen to anything. What's your thoughts on that? You cannot force youth to do anything, and we all have children. <laughs> That's the one. No, well, not, but not just, not just youth. What are your things? What are your thoughts on how they try, you know, that, you know, the conferences where you and I are going to are saying, hey, developers, app makers, make those things more so that the consumer will actually come in and want it more, stay on, stay on, you know. And, you know, on the other side, 
the youth are even getting tired. Youth are wanting to talk to each other now. You know, it's like, again, going back to the vinyl conversation, we want something that you can put your hands on, something that's tangible. You know what I mean? So, right. you know, I just would love to know what your thoughts are on that. Well, with the event of automation and now you can call different businesses and nobody answers the phone, I mean, you, we really need people. We need that human touch. We don't – the music is – music is uh, – Tommy says something very interesting. He says music is the bridge between spiritual and physical. And so oh, we yeah. need we need that. We need that touch because, I mean, if we don't have that, then what, 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 what is it to be human if you don't have the human experience? Um, so, so, yeah. I, so I, true. I, yeah, so that this is where where this is what what the problem is now. We need the books, we need the physical things, we need the vinyl, we need the things you can touch. I mean, you don't just want to buy a streaming service for a whole year and never own any of the music, do you? Is that what you want? You want somebody? To... <laughs> Basically, I mean, you don't have anything. Of course, you say, well, take your CDs and put them on your hard drive. Don't throw them away. Tommy said, uh, yeah, just import them into your your computer, but keep them. Put them in a box somewhere. Keep your vinyl. Don't throw your vinyl away. He said the vinyl machines, they don't make anymore. You need to keep some of this stuff you need to keep because it's, they're not going to make it anymore. Well, this is so true. Exactly. One of the things, you know, not to, not to cut you off, Jay, but one of the things, you know, that you just said, don't put them in the box. You know, one of the things I've gotten concerned going heavily into technology I love technology. I'm, you know, you know, I used to be the latest one with the latest gadget every time it came out. And I slowed down on it in the last year because I'm like, wait a minute. They're now getting, okay, you know, we talked about Bruce Willis with that movie where they took a pin out of, I'm not talking about The Matrix, the movie after that, where they took a pin out of the back of your head or Hunger Games where they destroy half the people and everyone's under the rule of somebody, you know. We're getting to a point like now, it's crazy, where drones, okay, drones, they're already putting them in use in Singapore and Tibet and and, um, and Thailand and Hong Kong where waiters and waitresses are not needed anymore. Drones are bringing you drinks. I'm like, wait a minute. And they've got dogs that go, a, a, a company under Google is creating for warfare, but now you, um, they just showed a kid walking down the block with a dog that's made out of machinery that moves and grooves just like a real dog. I'm like, wait a minute, you know? And let's not forget about our our other guest, the flying car. Now, the flying car I'm cool with. I like to hop over traffic. That will work for me in a moment. (laughs) We need that now. (laughs) But, you know, but even if you think about it, it would be like the Jetsons you know, or people who are in flying spaceships. You know, we had Steven Vandos from that from the company. You know, that's a little that's a little concerning because now, you know, we're talking about a flying car that really was flying. We're not talking about like, you know, in the air and we haven't heard en- enough about that flying car. People don't still know about that that you know, we had that gentleman on the show and it's real. It's for sale later this year and not where that is out of the reach of a lot of people. And next year, it will be in the reach of even more people. Now, that's cause for alarm, too, because we'll have cars on the ground and cars. What will that do for pollution? You know, it's just so much going on, Jay. Like, you know, what does that do for climate? You know, I'm just looking at all these things. How do we use technology to our advantage? You know, they talk about artificial intelligence, like on, you know, you're going to laugh on the Avengers, you know, on the Mm -hmm. Avengers where, uh, what is his name? Uh, I forgot his name, but Iron Man, right? Um, artificial right. intelligence takes over everything, okay? Right. I think if we get to a point, you know, the computer will take over everything. And artificial intelligence, even in having a wife that's a robot, I just read about that recently in Russia. I'm like, okay. You know, they have a, a movie coming out with Ben Affleck called Selfless, where they take... It's a medical procedure called shedding. And what they do is they take the consciousness from a guy that has cancer and transfer it to a healthy body. So this, this technology is suggesting that you can take your consciousness and transfer it. If you have cancer, you can put it in somebody else. So you got to be careful with this stuff, you know. <laughs> and, and usually what we see in the movies is already what's already out or about to be out. That's, so, you know, and, and if you think about it, 
Well, we could we could just keep going on. But, you know, our show has come to a close. It's an hour. And this is the first time Jay and I really in a long time have gotten a chance just to share our opinions, you know. So what we're going to promise you in the coming month is all of you hear so much about our other guests that you're going to hear more about what Jay and I are up to personally as partners with our other partners together and what we're up to individually. So you guys will know more about what we're doing. You know, we've been telling you about this project for three years with the U, you know, that we're bringing to the UN and nothing has changed. It just, you know, just like what, you know, Tommy was talking about, Jay and I started out and we thought we had it exactly where we wanted and we learned that there's some shifts that we had to do. So thank you, Jay, as always in partnership. And, you know, we're going to go out with Patent Leathers, I Want Your Number. What do you think about that, Jay? That's wonderful, wonderful. And, and Gail, make sure you say congratulations to the San Francisco Warriors. We are the NBA champs over here on this side. Okay. You know what? Don't, you don't have to rub that in, okay? okay. Just enjoy, enjoy it while you can because if they can do it, don't think that the Knicks won't take it from you guys next year. <laughs> okay. Okay. See you later, Jay. Okay. I'll see you later. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.